Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Yeah, so when I got out, like I say, after 13 and a half years, there was homeless people on every corner in every city. And um, when I first went in, I would see them every now and then, you know. Um, so I, I was moved with compassion. That is the voice of Edith Perlin, who has a remarkable story of hope and courage and how she is now using her past to help others have a future. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, welcome to Life Support. We're so glad you're with us, and I am glad to share stories of what Jesus has done in the lives of people. That's what this is all about, reaching into the dark places of life, and that's where Jesus always shows up. And many times, that's where Jesus enters to change lives, and that's going to be the story we're going to hear about today. My guest is Edith Perlin, who uh, runs a, a place called Edith's House here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area of Minnesota. We're going to find out more about that, but we also want to find out more about Edith and her amazing life, and thank you very much for being here. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So I know that um, the last time we talked, we found out that you had grown up in Chicago, very difficult uh, situation. Um, You began to um, uh, deal with drugs in a major way. You ended up facing prison, You'd been through some some other things as well. Um, take us back to that time and just kind of describe, um, I guess, the for back of a letter, lack of a better term, the state you were in when God changed you. Because it's a pretty amazing story of how He changed your life. Yes. Yeah, so um, I remember when I got tired. I was tired of um, doing drugs. I was tired of living defeated. And like I said, I um, I thought God was mad at me. I did not know um, the God of the Bible. And I thought that I had to be perfect and that I had messed up so bad that he was just, if I touched that Bible, it was going to blow up, and that was my. But um, I was suicidal, and um, I'll never forget it. Um, I wanted to end my life because I didn't know how to stay stopped off drugs. And I had did 16 treatments, and it just wasn't working. And I remember falling asleep and uh, waking up, and the police had got me. And I had to go to jail. And that's, I believe, when my redemption started. He rescued me instead of being arrested, I call it. Wow. Because that's where you met some people who shared Scripture with you. You learned to read your Bible, right? You got baptized, yes. saved and baptized and all that. Yeah, so my, my, I had a sponsor. Um, I had a sponsor that um, I was crying because they had, at that point, when I went to jail, I was facing 15 to life in prison. And, and um my sponsor said, Edith, you know, you need to read your Bible. The disciples go in and out of jail all the time. And I was like, really? And I started reading my Bible, and I don't know, there was just this overwhelming 
um, experience of God's love that he had for me. He was showing me through other people and the way they were responding to me. And, and I found out that he loved me. Mm-hmm. And my life changed forever. I wanted to know more about him. And that's how my life started with the Lord. Wow. You know, it's true. The Bible is uh, living and active. Um, it says in Hebrews, and it's really true. And in situations like you were in, um, you were in the presence of God every time you picked that book up and read it. Yes. And you felt that for sure. So then you, you get out of prison, and, uh, you know, everything is new to you now, right? You're wondering, what do I do now? So what did you do when you walked out of the, that prison for the last time? Okay, so after I, when I got out, I, I had been I had done thirteen and a half years, yeah. and um, everything was foreign because, like I said, at that point, uh, after spending thirteen and a half years in a two block radius uh, with three other women in a room where you had to walk sideways to get past, um, it was hard for me. Um, I was afraid, and um, I didn't trust my family's uh, uh, places because they were using when I went in. They were doing drugs, and they they wasn't talking about the Lord. So I went back to the church when I got out. I, I went to the church. I ran straight to the church. Um, there was a lot of obstacles with getting a job and getting housing because I was a felon. And so um, I was afraid, and I ran to the church. That was my first... It was a good place to go. Oh, they, yeah. They they received you. But I think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is uh, for for those who have been in prison to make that transition because of the things you mentioned. You've got – it's hard to get a job. It's hard to get a place to live. Um, how did you overcome some of those obstacles? Um, so I went – I started making meetings. Um, I went back to uh, the domestic violence uh, program that I had uh, came from and the, and the trafficking, sex trafficking program that I went through before I went in. And um, they, the support that they had, you know, was signing you up for, for housing and different things like that. I followed through. You know what I mean? I wasn't afraid to ask for help. And when I got out, I followed through with the help that people were trying to give me, mm-hmm. especially the church kind of led me to different places. And um, at that point, you know, and God and his love comes through blessings, and and doors just start opening for me. I got an apartment. I got my license back. I got a job. And things start changing for me. And part of that is because you had a mind you were going to do it, right? You seem like oh, a very yeah. determined <laughs> Uh, lady, no one's going to stop you when you put your mind to something. But that, of course, was enabled by by Christ as well, because you were walking with Him. And and from what it sounded like, the church that you uh, discovered um, was incredibly loving and and really wanted to help you get back on your feet. What a wonderful gift that must have been! Oh yeah, they did everything to help me, and um, I mean, they literally laid the foundation. That yeah. with Edith's house and right. stuff because I don't I'm not educated and uh, I don't even know what I would did without those people. Yeah. And um, yeah. So 
Yes, I just give tip my hat to the to the church, the body of Christ. Yeah, and it's, that's that's a wonderful thing. And so you mentioned Edith's house. Let's talk about that because you have been through all of this stuff, drugs. Uh, you're an abuse survivor, um, domestic abuse, sexual abuse. You've been through it all, and you've been homeless. Um, and as horrible as all of those things are, it seems as though God has uniquely equipped you now to help people that were in those situations, that are in those situations. And so tell me about Edith's house and how that all got started, because it's pretty unique ministry. Yeah, so when I got out, like I say, after 13 and a half years, there was homeless people on every corner in every city. Hmm. And um, when I first went in, I would see them every now and then, you know. Um, So I, I was moved with compassion. More with Pastor Paul and Edith in a moment. You know, Edith talks about her time of incarceration and homelessness and how she's now giving back. If you've lost hope or know of someone who is struggling, please direct them to free resources for mental health, loss, and recovery. The site is lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to the conversation with Edith and Pastor Paul. Yes, I just give, tip my hat to the to the church, the body of Christ. Yeah, and it's, that's that's a wonderful thing. And so you mentioned Edith's house. Let's talk about that because you have been through all of this stuff, drugs. Uh, you're an abuse survivor, um, domestic abuse, sexual abuse. You've been through it all, and you've been homeless. Um, and as horrible as all of those things are, it seems as though God has uniquely equipped you now to help people that were in those situations, that are in those situations. And so tell me about Edith's house and how that all got started, because it's pretty unique ministry. Yeah, so when I got out, like I say, after 13 and a half years, there was homeless people on every corner in every city. Hmm. And um, when I first went in, I would see them every now and then, you know. Um, so I I was moved with compassion. The minute I seen them, I wanted to help them and, um, because I know what, it, what it's like being homeless. I was there. I've lived under the bridge. I've couch hopped, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. And um, so I bought a pair of boots and a big coat, and I went out there and started asking people what happened and praying for them. That was as much as I had. I didn't know what to do. And one day I talked to the church and said, hey, I want to help homeless people. I think God has given me a heart for these people. And um, the pastor announced it on the microphone at church and about five or six members came to me after church and said, hey, I want to have coffee with you. I want to know what you want with that. And that turned into a 501c3, uh, a fundraiser and a purchase of the house and now we have Edith's house. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me about some of the people that you've ministered to. Um, are there any couple that stick out to you and you think of, well, wow, what a, that was an amazing story that that I had the opportunity to be involved with. So, yeah, so what I do is I go out there and uh, I kind of hang out with the homeless community and um I give them my card, I pass out my card, I eat with them, I pray for them. And and 
periodically I get phone calls from some of them and say, hey, and I ask them, are you ready? And they say, yes, Miss Edith, I'm ready. There's one guy particularly, I, I had been seeing him for two years, and this time he said, Miss Edith, I'm ready for real. I've been sleeping on the bench three days, and I haven't had anything to eat. I said, where are you? He was actually in a, a, a prior lake. Which and is about, uh, for you who aren't in the Twin Cities, it's about an, uh, 45 minutes south of Minneapolis, I mean, something like that, an hour maybe? Yes, mm-hmm. and I told him, I said, stay right there. Mm-hmm. The Lord has put it on my heart to go get him. I went and got him and fed him and let him live at Edith's house, and he became the caretaker. He started going to church with me. He got baptized. He was hanging out with my husband. He's been clean now for two years. Wow. He's got visitation with his son now, and so those are stories that's priceless. I tell you, it's all worth it. <laughs> yeah, um, they must really appreciate the fact that you care about them as people. Oh yeah, yeah. Because and and a lot of the organizations that has the funding to house them and stuff. Um, I I I talk to some some of the staff often. If you just reach out and touch, these are ordinary people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's got lost and, and can't find their way back. Right. And right. sometimes we just have to go out there and, and go get them. And, and so, yeah, so this past year, like I say, I've watched 18 homeless people give their life to Christ and get baptized. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. How many people do you have coming through Edith's house on a regular basis? Is there quite a turnover, or do you have people living there over an extended period of time? So, yes, recovery is a journey, I always say. And uh, I have one lady that's been there about four years, and we've had the house five, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, she has had opportunity to get her own apartment several times, and she's declined it or sabotaged it somehow. She wants community. Mm-hmm. And she's safe at Edo's house. Right. And so it's a journey. So for however long you need to stay there, that's where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. And she was homeless four years, lost two of her kids to child protection. And so she's gotten she's gotten um, housing. You know what I mean? She's yeah. safe. She's not yeah. homeless. And that right there is enough. That's the big some, deal, isn't it? Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, being safe and having a place. Yeah. Um. So for those of us that aren't involved with a homeless ministry like you are, um, how would you suggest that we interact with homeless people that we run into? You know, we don't know what to say necessarily or how to engage someone that might be on a street corner or, or laying, you know, on the, uh, in a sleeping bag. Um, it, it's scary for someone that hasn't dealt with that. It's, um, it's intimidating because you're not sure if you're helping or, or hurting by approaching a person like that, how would you suggest that someone approaches this problem as a as a person that's really not trained or hasn't been through it? Okay. So, yeah, when I go out, when I have volunteers that want to go out, I usually do a, a 30-minute training on boundaries. You know what I mean? Because we don't know who's out there. Uh, pretending to be homeless or mm-hmm. trying to get money and mm-hmm. opposed to the ones that really need a dollar or and so what I would suggest first of all is um me and my husband has this little container by our door. We put our change in it and our dollars. Those are for when I'm riding around and I wanna 
be a blessing to some of them because they can get a coffee with a couple dollars, you know, mm-hmm. for that right. morning or right. some food, you know. And um, if you are going to decide, you, you know, you're not feeling safe to go out there, well, then, you know, to give them a dollar or buy some food and hand it to them through the window of your car, it's okay. Those mm-hmm. are ordinary people. Yeah. You know, um, if you want to pray for them, unless you absolutely – the voice of the Lord was audible to you, I wouldn't stop doing rush hour and get out and pray because that's when they got their sign. That's when they yeah. make the most money, right? Yeah. So they're probably not going to be listening or wanting you out not there, right, be at all. about that, right. And so – but um, but you want to um, you wanna um, pray for them during your prayer life, mm-hmm. your prayer time, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when you stop out there, have something in your hand to give them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And not try to worry about whether or not they're the the ones or not. That's up to God. That's up to God. Because I think there's a fear, too, of, uh, or there's maybe a, a, a narrative that if I give them money, they're going to use it for drugs, drugs and alcohol or something. But you, what you're saying is that's not, that's not, that's my, not, a, that's not my problem. That's, that's not God's problem. problem. Yeah. 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 Just be generous. Be generous. Mm-hmm. If you have a heart to help somebody on the corner, then don't try to figure out based on the tennis shoes they have on whether or not they do deserve your dollar. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. And and I, I would guess if you're really intimidated, you can just pull, you know, just uh, pray for them as you go by or, or pull over somewhere and just pray in your car because God hears those prayers too, right? Yeah, and I just try to tell them that, you know, when people are, when you come out, whether you have a table and you want to come out in a neighborhood where it's kind of rough, uh, people that break in cars and rob people and stuff, they don't come up to the table. They're usually out there doing whatever they do. Yeah, they're out there robbing. When somebody comes to mm-hmm. their table, their heart is open, Yeah, their guards are down, yeah. and they want your help. They want your service. So These are ordinary people. Ordinary people. You said that a number of times, and I like that a lot, that you're reminding us that these are people that have just lost their way, and they need people to help them get back on track, right? Yep. Because society's not going to help them necessarily, so it's going to take people like you and me to go out there and do that, which you're doing a wonderful job of. Um, and I think the other narrative that's not true is, you know, we're we're in an area here where we're talking right now that's in a wealthier part of the Twin City area, but there are homeless here too. And I think more of what you said before, couch hoppers, um, people that are um, are homeless, but they're maybe not sleeping outside, but they're going from um, apartment to apartment, friend mm-hmm. to friend, and um, and if you talk to city officials, um, they're well aware of who these people are, and they don't know what to do to help them either. I talked to one law enforcement officer who said, you know, sometimes the only option is to put them in jail to keep them safe, and I don't want to put anybody in jail. And so um, I think no matter where you live. Um, there's a need to be vigilant about this issue, not just in the inner city. Yeah, shelters are high demand, and it's spreading. Yeah, in the great areas, the good areas too. Right, the, the right. Homeless, yeah, because people are people. Um, so, what's next for Edith's house? You've got big plans, don't you? Yeah, so we paid the house off uh, this past January, 2023, and uh, we are at the table with a 40 unit now. Um, 40 unit with a space, a community space in it, where they can go to Narcotics Anonymous if they want. They can come out of their apartment and go 
or have a Bible study downstairs. Bible study on Tuesday, and yeah. you know, and yeah. so that's our next project. Uh, we're going to yeah. try to see what God is up to. You know, we're at the table, we're talking about it, and we're kind of drawing up the plan. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm and excited. I'm assuming there's some hurdles there that are difficult, but, you know, God has taken you this far, so why not keep pressing forward, right? Yes, and we just got a grant from the county uh, this past October, and uh, we put in for another grant, uh, and they approved it last week, 409000 Wow. And I have to house 44 people. Wow. Uh, that's so, nothing. <laughs> but but that but that says a lot because you're dealing with the county and you're a Christian organization. I know, right? And so they must see something there of value or they wouldn't be helping you. And that says a lot about what you're doing there. It's pretty neat because not all organizations get treated like that. And I don't mind hanging out in the hood. Yeah. You know, where I came from. That's where the Lord brought me from, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know how to go and get them. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're a living example of, you know, you know, people, we all go through suffering, right? We all we all go through trials and trauma and, and of different kinds in our lives. And we always wonder, well, you know, what is God doing? Why, why is this happening to me? And that's a question that's often asked. But um, a lot of times on the other end, you, you find that, Oh, no, all of a sudden I'm equipped to help people that I would have never been equipped to help before. Here you are uniquely equipped. Um, you've had to suffer a lot. You've went through a lot. So it hasn't. this is not a cheap, you know, it didn't come cheap for you. But you're equipped to help people. I would have no idea mm-hmm. to help. I would have no credibility with them. But you do. And you can tell them your story, and I'm sure they're wide-eyed, and, they, and they're thinking to themselves, well, if she can do this, I can. maybe I there's can. hope for me, <laughs> right? Yes. And then plus, you're throwing in the gospel in there. Yeah. yeah. So you have quite a testimony and quite uh, a calling from the Lord, and I want to I commend you um, to keep going. I think it's pretty neat. And Thank you. Um, tell me, if someone would like to be involved somehow, or if someone would like to donate to Edith's house, how do they do that? So we have a website, www.edithshouse.org, and uh, it tells you about um, what we're doing and uh, tells you how to donate. It tells you how to become a partner, whether you want to volunteer or, or you know, donate clothes or whatever it is. Um, you can go to the website. Okay, so it's edithshouse.com. Dot org. Dot org. Sorry, I almost screwed up your whole thing. <laughs> Edithshouse.org. Okay, yes. we'll make sure we get that right. So before we go, you've talked glowingly about um, the church that's that you go to and so forth. Can you tell us the name of that church that's been so helpful to you? Uh, Wooddale in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Excellent. I know that church well. Yes. And I know people who work there, and I had an opportunity to speak to their grief group. And a um, wonderful group of people at Wooddale. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I'm glad that they embraced you. It's oh, pretty yeah. Neat. They're my partner. Yeah. They partner with Edith's house. Is that right, huh? Oh, yeah. Good for them. Well, Edith, thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you for dropping by and telling us your story. It's an amazing story. And uh, God is using you in mighty ways. So just keep up the good work, okay? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, you know, and as we talk, you might be wondering about... Um, 
where does Edith get the strength to do all of this? How did she uh, come through this and, and keep going? And in Lamentations 3.22, the Bible tells us the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And that's what Edith is talking about. She's discovered that for real in her life. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceased for her. Even though she was going through some terrible things, his mercies never came to an end for her because now she is helping people that were in the same situation that she was, and she is doing it in a mighty way. And people are not only having their their lives changed, but they're coming to know Jesus at the same time. And so there's a an aspect of having abundant life here on earth, and there's this aspect of being saved and having eternal life offered to you as well. And that's why we do all of this kind of thing that Christians do. So if you haven't met Jesus, don't wait around, because Jesus is calling to you right now, and he's saying, I want you to be my child. And all you need to do is repent of your sin and trust Jesus for your salvation and say, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus. And guess what? You become a child of God, and that will never, ever change. The Bible says you are guaranteed eternal life, and God will be with you forever. That's pretty neat, and it's possible. So if, you're, if you haven't done that, please consider doing that. Talk to somebody. And if you're in a position um, that Edith talked about, if you're homeless, if you're, if you're struggling with sexual abuse, or if you're running from someone, please reach out and get help as well because it's important to do that. Don't try to get through this on your own. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, This has been a great um, time, and I want to thank our partners. First, at Faith Radio, uh, KTIS and company, they've been just wonderful to us, giving us this platform. And you can find out more at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast as well at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church, not Wooddale, Ridgewood. Both great churches, though. I'm teasing. uh, At MyRWC.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.